It's exactly 8.30. This is Radio 2000 Talk. I'm Tamingo Beni. Joining us this evening for Africa Talks, Dr. Isaac Komo. Dr. Komo, very good evening once again. Good evening, my lady. How are you? Oh, I'm brilliant, sir. How are you? I'm okay and hi to our listeners too. Now, Dr. Komo, let's, let's focus on Burundi. It's been in the news for, for, for quite a while. What exactly is, is going on there? Uh, but over and above that, won't you take us back to the history of what it is that started all this? The, the history of Burundi is long. In fact, um, it's, 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 it goes far back. But uh, when you look at Burundi, you look at it together with Rwanda. Yeah, they've got the same sort of makeup. Uh, they've got the same people, the Hutu and the Tutsis. And again, there were two very big kingdoms of the Great Lakes. The Great Lakes is a wonderful area. It has got a wonderful history. You know, you've got uh, the Ankoles of Uganda, you've got the Baganda, you've got the Nyoros, Banyoro, the Toro. Now, these were kingdoms which are about 500 to 600 years old, and they were kingdoms which were under what they call Hima kings. Now, the Hima were a people, they were people who were pastoralists who came over and took over, and they came to rule those areas of the Great Lakes. They came right into Tanzania, the Buhaya, the Lake Victoria, and they went south as far as Tabora, which is almost central Tanzania. But in this place in Tanzania, they got fused in to the host population. So they, existing as a separate uh, feudal class, disappeared. But uh, they became very prominent in uh, Rwanda, Burundi, uh, Ankole, Bunyoro, and also in Eastern DRC. They were, those areas were under Tutsi kings. But unfortunately, with the Tutsi rule, although they came to adopt the tradition, custom of the people whom they met there, were mostly agriculturists, they actually came to formulate a feudal and then later a caste setup, whereby if you are from the Hima group or Hima clan, you actually belong to a higher caste. So you were the elite? Yeah, the elite, yeah. And that elite was based on caste. Yeah, that is very well written by a gentleman by the name of, um, uh, well, Israel, Israel, uh, it's for Dr. Professor Israel, the late Professor Israel. He's a Tanzanian uh, historian. But all the same, with the colonization of the Belgium, of the Germans first, the Germans saw those very highly developed uh, feudal and government systems and they tried, they did not disturb them much. They tried to change them but they found the too well entrenched for them to be changed. So instead they used them and they did not disturb the feudal setup. The Belgians came and they actually continued with the same system. Uh, but uh, coming to the Belgian era, this when now you find that education was came through via the missionary schools and you find that the people from the lower levels of society the the Hutus mostly they actually had ways of getting educated and there you find that you find a new you create a new elite of uh, Hutu based who were event who were originally really low down in the feudal and caste hierarchy that's a real thing that people are trying to play down but it's very very real the Hutus were known as Ngombe wa they had a word for it, it's a cattle mm. of um, of the king. 
ngombe wa mkama mkama was the big king mm. and ngombe is just cattle they were used as just um, something basically like basically slaves yes yeah, that's basically slaves now with that the so you find that the initial parties in Rwanda and Burundi they were very caste orientated the Palipe Hutu the Hutu people's party which was trying to develop the Hutus from that level of being serfs yeah um and that's where it went to independence and that created a lot of problems just before and immediately after independence that's why you find that the relationship between the two groups they were actually say they were genocidal there were a lot of pogroms from both sides you cannot point a finger at any side but eventually you come into burundi you find that burundi was eventually taken over by the hutu elites who had the military in their place and that was after power changing quite a number of times and the deaths of many people a lot of hutu died and you find the majority of uh, the hutus went in were in refugee camps in tanzania and they were there for over 20 to 30 years mm. but then with time you find that hutu militancy within the country came up and uh, you, you find groups coming up fighting against the tutsi domination which eventually can speed it up to the uh, the inst- installation of Ndadai um, uh, not yeah Ndadai Milkyor Ndadai who was the first Hutu prime minister and again he was overthrown by uh, Tutsi army uh, officers yeah but that was not a full overthrow instead we find that there's a military government under under Bugoya which was in place and that's where the talk started now of actually returning the government to civilian government yeah but at that time we find that there were already hutu uh, movements rebel movements armed movements which had started one of them was fndd cndd fdd c n d d f d d yeah that's a party which cruzinza leads and there's another lesser party led by agaton ruasa uh from there you find the regional bodies the great league bodies actually played a very important part in trying to get to broker a political solution to the whole issue that's so why you find that the first uh, burundi talks which were held in arusha under the chairmanship of uh, the late president julius nyerere ex president julius nyerere now with those talks there was a problem an initial problem which was not solved that problem was this that already you find that the power blocks had been established in the great lakes namely uganda was there with mzeveni um, and then there was rwanda which was already established under kagame these were two groups kagame group was led by isa kagame is a tutsi and the rpf basically it's a tutsi organization and it's it is it firmly held power in rwanda and uh, Zeven himself he's a nyankole of the Tutsi clan one of the Hima clan but then you find that they started having an interest in the politics of Burundi whereby they actually forced a condition on those talks that the talks were going to be between the military government of uh, Bugoya General Bugoya with the so called tutsi hutu opposition internal opposition political opposition but through the years the 
Hutu political opposition was very weak. Mm. Yeah, it was almost non-existing. So they were just talking with Hutu political elites. And they actually did not invite the warring factors, the rebels, people like the FNDD and the NLF, I think, of uh, Agatan Ruasa. So those talks took place under, under Nyerere. Those faltered talks because they're not all inclusive and the most important stakeholders were not there. And when the Nyerere passed away, the talks were taken over by uh, the late President um, Mandela under the same conditions. Eventually they got the Arusha Accord, the peace deal in Arusha, which was hailed as a success. But basically it was a faulted peace deal because it was not all-inclusive. And instead of having peace, you find that fighting did continue for a long time. And that's where you find that uh, President Tabumbeki actually appointed the president, the then uh, uh, Vice President uh, Jacob Zuma, to go and mediate. And actually, President Zuma did a very good job in mediating. What he did, he actually brought in the warring factor, the main warring factor. That's the FDD, FND, uh, CNDD, FDD. And there they got a deal. And later on, more talks took place to get Agaton Ruasa's people in the deal. But you find that these people were actually introduced into a government, but the constitution was actually put in place, not by their participation, but by the participation mostly of the civilian groups who were not really representative of uh, the people, the opposition in, 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 uh, in, in Burundi. In Burundi. Yeah. Let, let's talk about uh, President uh, Nkurunzi Ziza mm. and what, what his background is. I mean, his father also was in politics, so he actually comes from a, a very strong political family. Well, but where does he fit in all of this now? Well, he comes from a family of... Uh, he's an elitist. He's come from a family of uh, Hutu elites. His father was a governor, as it says, he was in politics, basically one of the ruler. And basically, he was a university... He was at university. He was teacher at the university. He's a Hutu. But then uh, when there was a coup, when the military took over, the, the university was attacked and he was almost killed and he went and joined the CNDD, FDD. Yeah, so he became a leader of that party, joined the rebel groups and he became a leader of that group. And he's very powerful and he's, in fact, that's his power hold. And the CFNDD, CNDD, it's basically a Hutu organization. And you should know, if you look at the demographics of uh, Burundi, 80% of the Burundi people classify themselves or look at themselves as being Hutu. And the Tutsi make up only 20%. So and even the power structure, it was really faulted. That and for a long time, that the 20% was actually handing on to power. It's the same issue also in Rwanda. Now, how has uh, Burundi been under his leadership for the past 10 years? Well, under the 10 years, basically, it's been a, a dictate, not dictatorship, I would say. It has been a rule of uh, CNDD. There's nothing much that has come there, but it was actually semi-stable, semi-unstable, being that uh, the country was actually emerging from a civil war. Yeah, it was a civil war, and these parties, the rebel groups, have been, been fused in, piecemeal, into... Into, in, into the army and into the country. 
Yeah, they've got this uh, DDR uh, process which was going on but not going on well enough. Yeah, and again, another thing is that you had a lot of refugees who were in Tanzania. There are camps like Biankulu in Panda. These were huge camps that actually housed uh, uh, Hutu refugees from, from Burundi. And those people had been there for almost 30 to 40 years. And some of them were well established. Their kids were born there. Now these people, they actually started coming back home. Now when they came back home, some of them went back to the lands which they left behind. And they found that their lands have got new owners. Yeah, and there was a problem in actually sort of uh, these people reclaiming their their properties. So there have been a lot of problems in Burundi. But one thing which is good is this, that peace has been established. And a very fine thing that took place was this, that the army, they were able to actually fuse the army. The Tutsi-dominated uh, army and the, also the rebel groups, which were basically Hutus, into the armed forces. And that's the thing that has saved actually Burundi, which is saving Burundi now. And the army trying to be as neutral as possible in the political impasse that has developed. So what is the real issue with um, Nkurunziza stepping down? Well, Nkurunziza claims that um, he, I mean, the constitution of Burundi first says that a person can be a president for two terms. Now, Nkurunziza has been a president for two terms. But then Nkuruzinza and his party, they say that the two terms that Nkuruzinza has been in power, it's not two terms of which came from uh, elections. It's uh, two, the first term Nkuruzinza was appointed president by parliament. He never went to a common... Uh, to a poll. To a poll, yeah, suffrage, where people actually elected him. So he says that now he's going for his second term through elections. Now, the people came against that. They demonstrated. But then what Nkuruzinza did, they actually took the whole issue to the Constitutional Court. The Constitutional Court voted, actually sort of uh, uh, voted for him to continue for a second term, the so-called second term, which would be a third term in Parliament. And still the people are not happy about that. So that is what's causing the impasse in Burundi. Is this something that the African Union can try and intervene on? What, what's their take on this? Well, the African Union, basically, the only thing they can do is actually sort of to advise um, Nkuruzinza to step down. But then you find that um, Nkuruzinza has a lot of support. What we see on the, tele, on the tele that people are demonstrating in Bujumbura, I mean, his support comes from the countryside. Yeah, where most of the Hutus are and also his people. And that's where he is, uh, those people are in the majority. So basically, he, as far as he's concerned and his party is concerned, he sees no reason for him to actually step down. But again, the most beautiful thing about Burundi right now is this, that the problems are not ethnic per se. Yeah, because you find that most of uh, the demonstrations have been led by civil society. And there are people within his own party who wants to see him to step down. Yeah, so as you can see that there are three ministers within uh, his cabinet whom he has dismissed. Yeah, these are people, who, this actually is a sign that there's discontent on him standing for a third term within his own party. 
Yeah. So, but basically, it also shows that the opposition in Burundi is very weak. Yeah. Because it's not the first time that uh, there have been problems in the African continent on people coming to stand for a third term. We can look at Nigeria. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, uh, when he stood for elections, the last time that he lost, it was going to be his third term that he was going to be president. He had actually taken over from Yosendor, if you can remember that. And uh, he had this when he finished Yosendor's term and then he had his own first term. But when he was going for the third term, there were problems within his party, where the party people, because there in his party it was north-south. It was people from the north standing for presidency. After two terms, somebody from the north has got to come in. So the northern people said that it was their turn to actually vie for the presidency. And he refused, said that he's only had one term, the other term was not his. Now with that, people within his own party walked out of his party and joined the opposition. Yeah, and that's why he actually lost so miserably, because he had no support of the northerners from within his own party. But the same thing happened again in Senegal. If you remember Senegal, uh, Wadi, he actually changed the laws of uh, two, two terms within his own uh, presidency. And when he finished his two terms, he said, uh, he said no, I've had got one more term left because uh, you cannot actually sort of implement these laws retrospectively. So while there was a case, he went to the Constitutional Court and he won his case. But then you find that the opposition was so strong that they bet, yeah, they grouped together and voted him out of power. Now you find that in Burundi that the opposition is so weak that they actually sort of, uh, they are against him standing for a third term. Where, whereas if they were really strong, they would just get together, say stand for a third term and vote him out of government. That's it, a possibility. It, it, it really does seem to be um, an African issue that when it is time for a, a change of, um, you know, constituency or when it's time for you to bar out after your presidential term a lot of the presidents you know seemingly want to try but let's open up the line uh, yeah and okay. um you know let's let's let our, mm. our, our, our listeners in on the conversation your thoughts and your comments regarding um the burundi situation but also as Ndata azilkomo has pointed out the fact that it's not just burundi senegal nigeria um you know when it's time to to bow out and and to make way for yet another president there seem to to be problems. Oh eight nine double one zero two thousand. Your thoughts on this? We are because of others. We are all we are because we came from somewhere. Migration is as old as humankind. Therefore, you are. We are. And I am a migrant too. Violence is not the answer, but acceptance will teach us understanding, harmony, and kindness. Do the right thing. Let's put an end to xenophobia. The SABC condemns xenophobia. These are radio stars. stars. Drive, drive, drive time experience. An exciting pop edge. Welcome to the drive time experience with NSP Bongani NX and Lizette Khan. Talk with Tami Gubeni on 2000 FM for all your news, views, and interviews. Act like you know me. Let's go. David Mashabella, the king. Tonight we're celebrating good men. Oh, my dad. He passed on when I do my treatment. I don't know what it is. The breakthroughs. What the dog guys? Monati fell. Radio stars. And you'll find them right here. On Radio 2000. We know you love to hear good music on radio.
We play music. And we Radio 2000 going all out by bringing you the 20-minute music suite. Every hour between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. 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 And then from 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. weekdays. Yes, it's in the morning, late afternoon, and back again from 6 p.m. all the way to the break of dawn. Air your views. Call Tommy and Gabani now. 089-110-2000. Or email Tommy at 2000fm.co.za. This is Radio 2000 Talk, part of our Africa Talk segment, taking your calls. Brian from Zanin, good evening. Good evening, Mr. Tommy, to you in the studio and Dr. Homo. Good evening, mate. Good evening, Brian. Uh, what I just said, the problem is... I want to quickly say the the problem is my missus told me once you decide that oh, I'm about to step down from getting the amount such an amount of money then to go down to just go and get a little from out of what I was getting. You feel pressure, too much pressure on your shoulders. Then you decide if I run for the third time, then again. I accumulate more money so that when I step down, I step down with a, a lot of cash in my pocket. Okay, then it will be fair. <laughs> that, right. that, 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 that's how I see things. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Brian. And Dr. Khomo will comment on those. Uh, let's just take a couple more. Uh, we've got Ndwandwe calling us from Lao Spread. Good evening, Ndwandwe. Hi. Good evening, Sami. Uh, good evening, uh, Dr. Khomo. Good evening, sir. Good evening, my chief, my king. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, tell me, um, the one uh, point I just want to raise is in Africa, when we move forward, we seem to be once again moving five steps backward. What are the other peers of Ukuruziza saying? Yes, I understand the issue of tribalism, which has... Uh, you know, in the past, uh, you know, you know, dragged the country into chaos. But the issue here is, is the constitution of that? Oh, Ndwandwe, have we lost you? I think Ndwandwe there was going into a very interesting point in Dr. Mm, as far mm. as the constitution is, is concerned. Oh, but yes, oh, but yes. let's discuss that. Let's take a few more calls and, and we'll get back into okay, that. Okay. Mac from the Free State, good evening. Are you with us, Mac? All right, let's try Stephen from uh, Clerk's Drop. Stephen, good evening. Good evening, Tanya. How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you tonight? I'm well. I'm well, thanks. Good evening, Tatu Homo. Good evening, my dear man. How are you? I'm okay, Chief. I'm, I'm okay, thanks. Um, you know what this, uh, the point that... Uh, I want to make all my concern is that with all of this uh, conflict amongst ourselves as Africans, amongst our leaders, what really is the possible influence in these conflicts from the Western countries? Because remember, as Africans, if we if we succeed, because most of the most of their wealth. They, they, they get it from us. So if we succeed and then we focus 
and then we get developed so socially, economically, then they get to lose. But then my question to Dr. is that what is the possible influence from this guy? <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Stephen. Uh, let's take a call from Freddy. Freddy, good evening. Yes, good evening, Sammy and Tadokho. Good evening, sir. Mm. Yes. My contribution would be this evening that uh, I don't know if we, uh, uh, if it's the fault of our media or what, but we do not spend enough time emphasis looking on the private sector because a lot of the time these African media stay in place because we have private uh, transnational corporations who have contracts in place when these leaders are also benefiting. So should they be uh, 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 removed? Uh, you know, they don't know where they, 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 if they, the next leaders are actually going to be, you know, have the appetite with the, of, of, the, of, the, of the incumbents. So what I'm saying is that uh, 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 we need to look at more of the, the role of the transnational corporations. For instance, if you look at a lot of the African, particularly in the Francophone countries, even in the Anglophone countries, but you find that, you know, you'll have French companies that are ones who are getting the most, but the, you know the lion's share of whatever the state has to offer, and so and so you know for it keeps in the interest of 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 of, of, of the, the former colonies, so that certain uh, um, African leaders uh, stay in place. So, so uh, that, that's my contribution. Uh, to, all right. Thank you very much, Freddie. You know, and um Freddie and Brian, you know, pretty much talk on, on, on the same note, uh, first caller, that you yeah, know, it's, yeah. it's a monetary money, issue. Money, yeah. um, I guess Freddie took it one step further in saying, uh, you know, the, the role of transnationals and, and various corporations um, in, in keeping these presidents uh, here. What, what is your thought on that as money as an incentive for, for yeah, yeah. In staying fact, in power? I'll take it complete. I'll, I'll take it, uh, Freddie, uh, sorry, Freddie and Brian, and also I'll take it uh, Stephen of Clegdorp. Yes. Yeah, Stephen actually touched on a very sensitive thing. Uh, also, the two, they did touch, Freddie and, 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 and Brian, they did touch on a very sensitive thing. And it's unfortunate that we do not get hold of Ndanwe because he was on a very interesting uh, track. The yeah. trajectory, yeah, yeah with yeah, the constitution yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Now, you see, the thing is this, that um, we just spoke of uh, the uh, Burundi in generality as what is happening, as what meets the eye. But basically, if you look at the region, the politics of Burundi are actually dictated by the politics of the region. There are more reasons than one that Kuruzinza wants to stay there. Yeah, it's not just that he is a greedy uh, African leader who wants to get, take a hold of, of Burundi. If you look at uh, Uganda, I mean to say that Museveni has been in power for 29 years. Yeah, over 15 years ago, they passed a constitution which they... Uh, limited the presidency to two years. But in the last term, he actually went and he gave his uh, MPs 300, I think it was about 500, uh, uh, was it 5 million uh, Ugandan shillings, and they went and voted that uh, he could rule for a third term. Today, you see that there was a very demonstration where the opposition parties were actually demonstrating against electoral reforms where they wanted that the electoral commissioner to be changed and also that they want to return back the two term. And those people have been arrested. Yeah, it, they say the speculation that Rwanda is going the same way. Their term of presidency is seven years and they're due to have elections after two years. 
but uh, the electoral reform of Rwanda is also needs to be changed. But the people are heavily entrenched. Now, what Nkuruzinza is trying to do is actually to entrench himself into the presidency of Burundi, simply because there are still a lot of animosities which are taking place between the Rwanda Uganda on one side, Burundi on the other side. And uh, you find that the parties within the regions, they have got an interest. Now, the Burundians, they are not prepared, at least the FNDD, CNDD, they think that they want to hang on to power as the other parties within the region are hanging on to powers. Basically, there's going to be a very big confrontation within the regional groups. The Great Lakes. The Great Lakes. Yeah, the things are not stable. Even that, even uh, Kabila wants to sort of hang on to power. So this but is, that this is, is not really hang on to power for personal reason. It is for the regional geopolitics. So that is the status quo. That is the status quo. Regional geopolitics. And the Western countries are involved because you find that the Americans, they acquiesce to the dominant role of the grabbing of power of the Rwandese and Uganda, but they play a